10 to 1, episode 47. My top 10 Bible verses. Welcome to 10 to 1, a podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And if you'll notice in the title, these are not what we consider to be the greatest uh, Bible verses. It's just our favorite Bible verses. The ones that, for me, I keep going back to time and time again. Um, anything further you want to elaborate on that? Or does that pretty much describe how you feel about these? Um, I, I mean, kind of how I did it was I went through and checked all the verses that I've highlighted in my Bible and then, um, you know, kind of realized that I didn't highlight, for example, most verses I have memorized from way back, you know, like from Awana Club. Right. So like, I don't have John 316 highlighted. Obviously, yeah. Um. You know Romans three twenty three those kind of verses, and so I think for me it was more verses that I really like that maybe not everybody has memorized. Yeah, for me is kind of thing. these are the verses that as I go about my daily life, it's usually one of these uh, ten verses that will pop into my head in certain such in. In most of my situations that I face in life. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then I just put mine in chronological order. It, or just in a, like the Old Testament verses are first, then the, the New Testament. Just in order of book. I didn't I didn't actually rank mine. Mine are um, ranked. Yeah. They're, they're kind fine. of more in the order of these are the ones that most frequently pop into my mind. Okay. Uh, now, that being said, like the last three on my list, uh, 10 through 8, mm-hmm. I think are, I don't think of them very often, but when I do, they're always really powerful. Gotcha. Okay. Well, why don't I start then with my number 10? Go ahead. And I have four verses from the Old Testament. The first one, my number 10 is First Samuel fifteen twenty two. And it's, and Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I've always liked this one. I have taught this one in Sunday school for children. And I think it's a good one for children to know. But it's also helpful for me that... You know, it's good to do nice things. The good works, as it were. Right. It's good to do extra, but, you know, start off with just being obedient. Yeah, that's, that's something we want from our children. You know, just, mm-hmm. that's nice that you picked me a flower, but I'd rather you cleaned your room up first and then went and picked <laughs> me a flower. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think, I think that's kind of what that what this verse yeah. is getting at. God's more concerned with what's in our heart than uh, what we're outwardly doing. Right. Yep, and that definitely goes with the other things that are going on in that chapter, or in that book, with uh, you right. know David being 
not outwardly uh, the king uh, uh, as apparent as Saul was, but uh, because of his heart, he ended up being a much, much better fit for the job. So anyway, that's my number 10, 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two. Okay, my number 10 comes from Job chapter 13, verse 15, and it says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. And it's it's really that first part, the though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Uh, and that's that's pretty crazy faith there that Job had. You know, you think about how after everything he's gone through, he's lost everything he could possibly hold dear in this life, except his wife. And he's also lost his health, and now his three friends are... Uh, saying it must somehow be his fault. And Job is still trusting in God and saying, you know what, even if he kills me, I'm still going to trust God and believe that even though I don't see what's what's going on, he mm-hmm. sees what's going on. And uh, that's always inspiring to, it inspires me to leave things up to God and trust that he's in control. And that's kind of a recurring theme throughout Job as well. <laughs> Right. So that's my number 10. Job thirteen fifteen. Do you ever quote it really melodramatically? Like you spill some milk? Though he slay me. <laughs> I will now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. We have a saying that we heard in church service one time. These are the trials our Lord doth lay on us. Right. We say that sometimes yep. when we spill milk or something like that. The lady whose wallpaper was a little crooked. Yeah. Indeed. All right. My number nine is Ezra 7.10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. And I think it was maybe a year or two ago, reading through Ezra, and this verse really jumped out at me. And yeah, I really like it. I mean, you could you could preach a sermon out of it. A little three points. Ezra preparing his heart to seek the law of the Lord and then doing it, and then teaching Israel. A little, little three-step plan for everyone. <laughs> three-step plan to perfection. Preparing yourself, and then obeying, and then teaching others. So Nice. I really like that one. A sermon and a verse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really stuck out to me. It's the last couple times I've read, read through Ezra. So that's my number nine, Ezra 7.10. All right, my number nine comes from Ephesians 3.20, and it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And then the rest of it finishes, Unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. But it's just incredible that uh, Paul is talking about this is God, to him be glory, but he is the God that is able to do not just above all that we ask or think, but abundantly above all that we ask or think, and more than that, mm-hmm. exceeding abundantly above mm-hmm. all that we ask or think. And that's that's just mind blowing. I mean, what can you think of that you or, that you could ask for, and God can do greater than that. And I think, I think I know I limit God. Uh, so much in my life. I cut, I try to cut God some slack and say, well, you know, just uh, 
do this little thing for me. It doesn't have to be some big thing. And, you know, I'm sure God delights in doing the little things for us, but he delights in doing big things and showing that, you know, this is only God could have done this. And I think, I know I don't ask God enough to to work in my life in ways that only he could could work. And, uh, man, I'm feeling conviction right now. <laughs> so uh, it's just a really powerful verse. It's crazy to think that we can't out-imagine God. <laughs> That's true. That's my number nine, Ephesians 3.20. Okay, that's a good one. My number eight is Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And it's just one of those encouraging verses. Yeah. There's a bunch of, of encouraging verses like that. But Fear uh, not, thou worm Jacob. Right. That's also in Isaiah. Nice. I haven't got there yet. I'm reading through Isaiah right now. Yeah. I think it's in the next chapter or two. That's funny. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. But, yeah, I don't know. This is a... Uh, can't say that I always turn to this verse every time I'm uh, feeling weak or afraid or something, but it's one that, that has really encouraged me when I read it, so... That's my number eight, Isaiah 41.10. All right. My number eight is Psalm 113, verses five and six. Yes, I have two verses. Tisk, how dare you. But get used to it. It's going to happen a couple of times, maybe more than a couple of times. That's terrible. But you need them together because they're kind of, you know what? One of the glorious things about being co-host on a podcast and choosing the list for said podcast is mm-hmm. that I get to break the rules whenever I want. The rabbit Boom. who broke all the rules. No, don't you call me that. Anyway, Psalm 113, 5 and 6. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? So you really need verse 5 to really understand verse 6 that this is the God who dwells on high, that it's so, he dwells so on high that, and is so majestic that it's humbling for him to even gaze upon heaven, Mm -hmm. much less the earth, much less me. And, uh, I mean, just, I don't know if any of you listeners have ever been to one of those, uh, space sessions or whatever, where they're talking about all the different things out in space and how the sun the earth is just so tiny compared to the sun and that is so tiny compared to i don't know beetlejuice or whatever else is out there and so then you feel really insignificant but god looks at us and and he he knows what's going on with our lives and that's that's pretty awe-inspiring and yet humbling at the same time mm-hmm. so that is my number eight Psalm 113, verses 5 and 6. Tell me more about these space sessions. Where can I you know get me, me and my hippie friends, we get together and we have space sessions. <laughs> anyway, I'm thinking okay. of stuff like at the, at the PCC Planetarium and a few other shows like that that I've been to. 
maybe there was one at the the IMAX in the in the Naval Air Museum in Pensacola. Mm, could be. I think there might at one point there was. Anyway. Okay. My number seven is Jeremiah nine, twenty three and twenty four. I included two verses. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> you duck. Well, the verses are just an artificial construction. <laughs> only come, yeah. Come together in the last uh-huh. I don't know, few several hundred years, something like that. So yeah. I'm not bound by your Indeed. Your man made constrictions. So he said, Jeremiah nine given her guff. It was called Ironic Guff. It was called Ironic Duffery. That could be the name of your next band. Ironic Guff. Yours could be Ironic Duff. Jeremiah nine, twenty three through twenty four. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Verse 24, But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So this one's been challenging to me. You know, I think you're doing well at work or you think you're uh, you just did something really great by yourself or you know maybe you look at uh your paycheck on payday and you're you're pretty happy with that yeah and uh bible says well don't don't find glory or try and glorify yourself in your wisdom or your strength or your riches yeah but uh glory that you understand and know god so huh. it's a good challenge so that's jeremiah 9 23 through 24 my number seven that's a good one mm-hmm. that'll preach <laughs> all right my number seven is still in psalms uh it's chapter 130 verses three and four if thou lord shouldest mark iniquities O lord who shall stand but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. And uh, this is a verse that I think I it was in college that I discovered it. And it has just really stuck with me that, you know, Psalm 113, we've seen how great and uh, majestic God is. And now uh, he has the greatest right to judge us, but instead he offers forgiveness. If he were to, you know hold iniquities against us. There's nobody that could stand against him, mm-hmm. but there is forgiveness with him. And that should lead us to fear him and to fear uh, trespassing against him. So that's my number seven. All right, on to my number six and into the New Testament now. And I guess I'll mention that I could have included a bunch of Proverbs on this list. I really like the book of Proverbs, but we decided not to put any Proverbs on this list and to make that a future episode. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Yeah. So my number six. It being from the Bible and all. Right. So my number six is Matthew 541 from the Sermon on the Mount. And whosoever it is from. Yeah. Yeah. Sermon on the Mount. Matthew five. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And so I guess. And at least the story I've always been told and I found out recently that some of these stories the preachers have always told me yeah. have been false. But what I've been told about this one is that it was a law in Rome that any Roman soldier 
could take a, a non-Roman citizen and make them carry his pack for a mile and, you know, basically just get a, a slave for a mile. And so Jesus is basically saying, well, he's saying if someone tries to get you to go a mile carrying their pack, then to go with them two miles. Um, but I think the principle that he's saying is, you know, you're, sh you're supposed to treat everyone really well, even people that you hate. You know, the Jews really hated mm -hmm. the Romans. They were, um, you know, they had taken over their country and treated them really poorly and you know, taken their money. And uh, so it's pretty revolutionary what Jesus was saying. I've kind of taken it also. Really treat the. As... To... Go, sorry. I forgive you. That's what Jesus would have me do. Shush. <laughs> uh, to uh, treat people, I mean, treat your worst enemy better than you would even maybe normally treat someone that you really loved or treat someone that you didn't have any animosity toward, at least. Yes. Yeah, that's good. I hadn't, hadn't thought of it that way. I've always taken it, taken it as you should do what's asked of you willingly and do extra. Yeah, but I mean, I think yours, that's pretty much what I'm yours saying. Yours also works as well. That's pretty much what I was saying. I yeah. think I just went a little bit farther. You're, yeah, further. yours is... Maybe. I applied a little bit more generally. Perhaps. I don't think it just applies to when someone asks you to do oh, some okay, physical okay. work. okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> is all I'm saying. So that's my number six. Some revolutionary teachings from teachings Jesus. From Jesus. Matthew oh, there's, 5, 41. There's an interesting topic. Revolutionary teachings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. All of them? Yes, indeed. No, but... Number one, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> On to the stinger. <laughs> Number one, capital letter A, <laughs> where we actually get into details. <laughs> anyway. All right, so what's your number six? six. It is Micah 7.18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. And uh, again, this one is dealing with forgiveness. And uh, I don't know if you guys are seeing a theme here. I am. But it's just pretty, pretty crazy to me that God uh, is willing to forgive us. Uh, and he forgives because he delights in mercy. He doesn't want to punish us uh, for our sins. He wants he wants there to be mercy. He will punish us if if we refuse to ask for forgiveness. But he he wants to extend mercy, and uh, that is just kind of unbelievable for me sometimes. And that's why I think of these verses often to help me to believe it. Because to my mind, I mean, I guess, yeah, we don't deserve forgiveness. But that's what makes it the more amazing anyway, is that God gives it anyway. So that's my number six, Micah 7.18. Okay. My number five is Romans 6, 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free for, freed from sin. 
And it's a good reminder for me that uh, I have a choice with the things that I do. I am not just, um, you know, bound by sin like we were before, like we all are born. But I have the decision that I have to make every time that, um, you know, every time I have a temptation, I can make the decision to not make the right or to not do the wrong thing, <laughs> to do the right thing because I don't have to serve sin. And that's that's an encouraging thought and challenge, of course, because it means we can help ourselves and um, we can't just say the devil made me do it. Right. Or, well, we're just all sinners. We just yeah. all make mistakes. Yeah. That's true, but it's still a decision that we have to make, and it's still... Uh, uh, it's it is our fault if we yeah. make the wrong decision, not somebody else's. Yeah. So that's my number five. Romans six, six and seven. All right. My number five is back in Psalms. It's Psalm thirty two, verse eight. And this one says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And uh there have been times, I mean we all have times where we think, you know, we've got our life planned out, or at least our the next several months planned out, and then things happen, and uh, we have no idea how even the next week is going to shape up for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really love this verse. I've thought of it so many times that, you know, God sees our past, our present, our future. It's all laid out in front of him. And he sees what are the best decisions, the best choices, the best roads for us to take, even if we might not consider those to be the best at the time. And he's promised to guide us through them. And uh, I guess one instance that's coming to mind is uh, when I was pregnant with our first child, Lydia. And uh, it was shortly after we'd just made the announcement to... Our families that I was pregnant, we came back from vacation and there were rats in the <laughs> house and they left their drop droppings all over the house. And it was kind of later at night when we got home. And so, I mean, the whole house was a wreck because they'd been there for a week and had nested and everything and mm -hmm. laid their little droppings everywhere. So I kind of went into survival mode while you went out to get some, some traps <laughs> and I started sweeping up the droppings and vacuuming them up. And then after I got up the worst of it, I looked online for what some more things were that I could do. And the first thing that they said online was, do not sweep or vacuum up rat droppings. Mm -hmm. Because then any diseases in those droppings get airborne and they're very, uh, they can be very harmful and dangerous. And here I thought, oh man, I'm pregnant and I've <laughs> just killed our baby. And, oh, uh, I just, it was a very trying time. And this verse came off into my mind that, you know, God remi was reminding me that he was, he was going to hold my hand through all of it and, and help lead us through to the end. And uh, ultimately, it was just something that I had to let go and trust that he was in control. And I didn't get sick at all, neither did you. 
our baby is just fine and completely healthy. So mm-hmm. it's just been that was that was quite the learning lesson mm-hmm. in our in my life at least. So that is my number five, Psalm thirty-two eight. What do you think it means that it says he'll guide you with his eye? He sees everything. But and so so he sees everything. By faith, and he we can you. see what he's seeing. I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. Yeah. Okay. That could be it. I don't know. I was just just curious. Mm-hmm. If you had any ideas there? Guess I never really thought about it. Yeah. As more than a metaphor. Yeah, it's just an an odd metaphor to my mind. Have to uh, have to go study that one. Yeah, I guess so. Like, how do you? Like you're like holding on to the eye. I guess like it sort of seems to me as if we're blind. We can't see what's coming up ahead, but he's holding our hand and he can see. So he's guiding with his eyes. So if you're leading someone blind, you're guiding with your eyes. Yeah, that makes sense. Sounds good to me. Or even if you're not leading them by the hand, you're just giving them the directions verbally. You're still guiding them with your eyes. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. All right. My number four is Romans eleven thirty three. Probably could have made just a top ten list of verses from Romans. Oh, as I know. Well. Get ready, it's, it's coming. And so my number four, Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of mm. the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. And I, I just like this verse as a reminder that every time we think we figured out. God, or we figured out Christianity, or we figured out the Bible. There's we never actually more. say that, right. but... We kind I, of feel it. Yeah, a lot of times we feel it. All right, I've got this all figured out. I know in college I, I felt that way. Right, yeah, me too, exactly. I, I make mistakes, of course, but, you know, I know all the answers. It's pretty easy. I mean, you just simply read the Bible. It's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... uh. You know, here, Paul is reminding us uh, that uh, we can't know all of God's ways. His wisdom and his knowledge are our past, our ken, and and I think that's good. I think uh, it's good that we have to continually try to grow, try to search out more wisdom and knowledge uh, with, with the realization that uh, we're never going to get get to that uh, that level that God is at with his perfect wisdom and perfect knowledge. So that's my number four, Romans 11.33, reminding us of the inscrutability of God. Nice. All right, my number four is a pretty familiar verse, I'd say, to most Christians. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And, oh, I love these verses. You know, some of the other verses I mentioned previously talk about God and how exalted and high up he is, and uh, he humbles himself to behold us. But not only does he 
behold us. He understands us. He is touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. He lived among us. He knows what it what it's like uh, to be tempted with sin, to to get angry, to get frustrated, to be sad. He understands all these things, and so when we're we're feeling down. He's, he understands how we feel. He's that best friend that comes along and throws an arm around your shoulders and just lets you cry on their shoulder and, and says, I understand. And you know that they actually do, you know. It's, it's just amazing to me that, and I, I know I don't take this, take advantage of this often enough. Sometimes, a lot of times I do forget these verses and I think, well, God doesn't understand how I'm feeling and, and yet he really does. He knows exactly how I feel. He, his heart hurts when my heart hurts and, and then he invites us to come boldly unto his throne so that we can find the help that we need. And, uh, it's just, Boy, what other verses do you need after these two verses, you know? <laughs> a couple more, I guess. Yeah. Three more. Three more. So that's my number four, Hebrews four fifteen and 16. Do you think he understands childbirth? I sure don't. Well, considering he went through being born, I'm going to say he does. I'm talking about from the other end. <laughs> I know. Honey, <laughs> that's bordering on disrespect and heresy, I think. What would be the heresy on the other side on the other side of the border? <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird to think about. Considering he made a woman and he set things up to uh, work in this manner, I'm sure he understands childbirth. And considering all the pain he endured on the cross, he he understands pain. There you go. There you go. Considering all the smart-alecky remarks he got from the Pharisees and Sadducees and the lawyers, he understands smart-alecky commenters. He probably does. They know not what they do, I That's suppose. That's you told. All right. So to my number three, Romans twelve eighteen, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Oh, there we go. Another life verse. It would be nice if some people... Some more people have that as a life verse. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems like people are, at least in our country, people are really quick to get offended. People are really quick to, um, you know, fight with others, whether that's, you know, physical or or just, uh, you know, philosophically. People, uh, they don't want to uh, think well of others. You know, if you disagree with someone uh, politically or, um, you know, religiously or any other way, you're going to think bad about that person. Right. And, uh, you know, anything that they do, you're going to find some way to think negatively. Um, You know, people uh, just, I don't know, people don't seem to want to live peaceably in general. Some people seem to enjoy striving <laughs> they sure do yeah now i i sure certainly like uh debating things and you know iron sharpeneth iron and some of us aren't in the mood for list. debate at the time that's a proverb so 
that's why you didn't put it on your list. But some of us aren't in the mood for debating at the time. And so that's why we're not able to live peaceably at, the, at that moment. Well, this verse says you should. <laughs> is all I'm saying. Well, maybe living peaceably would include not debating. Knowing there's a time to debate and a time to refrain from debating. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's not in the Bible. I just checked. Checked my copious memory and uh, can't find it. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, but uh, we all do this sometimes. We don't don't all 100% live peaceably. And it does say, as much as lieth in you. You So as much as possible. There we go. It's not always going to be possible. There's my out. Right. Lord, it it was as much as as lay in me and there's no more of this in me. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, so people insult you. People, um, even people, people hurt you. Um, if it's possible, you're still supposed to live peaceably with them. Yeah. So Romans twelve eighteen is my number three. All right. My number three is the whole chapter of Romans eight. Pretty no. much. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I guess now no, you guys know no, my far. favorite chapter. Uh, I'm going to pick, uh, just One. a couple of verses. Uh, verse one is a favorite. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so, uh, sometimes I get burdened down with thinking of how I just keep on messing up time and time again. I know I'm saved, but, uh... Man, why doesn't God just pull the plug on me? I'm just a, a wretched, miserable <laughs> creature that just doesn't ever seem to get it right. And uh, this verse is very beautiful. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And then it encourages us to not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. And that'll help us to not be such a miserable wretch. Okay. And then the rest of the rest of the chapter is really good, uh, but then it gets down to verse 31 and on to the end. What shall that we say? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So those are pretty exciting verses. God is going to do all he can to help us in our fight against sin. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather that's risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? So, who's going to to accuse you? Well, God's the one that justifies you, so it's not going to be God that's accusing you. Who's Who's condemning you? Well, it's not Christ. He died for you. He's He rose again, and he's making intercession for you right now. And then it goes through the rest of the chapter. Who's going to separate us from God's love? Nothing is going to separate us from God's love. And uh, just the whole chapter is bent on saying that, you know, God is fighting for us. God's there to help us in our fight against sin. Uh, he's done. He's delivered us from the power of sin and he's working to deliver us from the presence of sin and we can escape sin 
if we'll just obey him and walk in the spirit. So really powerful chapter. I guess if I got to narrow it down, uh, yeah. verses, verse one and then verses 32, 31 through 34. Okay. Well, that finishes off your top 10. Yeah. I'll finish mine off. You're so that was about, my number three. <laughs> I think it's, uh, hmm, you're talking about, oh, I, I only have nine verses on my list. Yeah. I think that was I found a deception. That was earlier. I think you had more than 10 the entire time. Love me, honey. So getting back to my. Love me and all my quirks. Number two, Bible verse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, First uh, Corinthians fifteen, Paul's talking about the uh, gospel. He uh, talks about the resurrection, and then he ends the chapter uh, that. Uh, Keep working for the Lord because you know your labor is not in vain. And I've always liked that verse. And then uh, I was reading a book called Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright this year. And uh, he expounds on that verse and basically says he thinks that verse is saying that uh, what you're, the work that you're doing for God is not just profitable for you personally, but is also in some way uh, going to be part of God's new creation. So let me read a, an excerpt from his book, and you can tell me what you think about it. What you do in the Lord is not in vain. You are not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to fall over a cliff. You are not restoring a great painting that's shortly going to be thrown on the fire. You are not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up for a building site. You are, strange though it may seem, almost as hard to believe as the resurrection itself, accomplishing something which will become, in due course, part of God's new world. Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creatures, and of course every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed which spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way, through the resurrecting power of God, into the new creation which God will one day make. That is the logic of the mission of God. God's recreation of his wonderful world, which has begun with the resurrection of Jesus and continues mysteriously as God's people live in the risen Christ and in the power of his spirit, means that what we do in Christ and by the spirit in the present is not wasted. It will last all the way into God's new world. In fact, it will be enhanced there. So it was a really interesting point. I, I, I want to think through it some more. Uh, what do you think about that, hearing it for the first time? I think it makes sense. Uh... So, for example, okay, if it's just your mundane chores, uh, your everyday tasks, going to your job or whatever, but you do it with the spirit of, I'm doing this for God, I'm doing it because I love God, and I want to do the best that I can, mm-hmm. I want to be as faithful as I can, as opposed to just 
well, I got to do it because my family's got to have food to eat and stuff, which that's a good reason to do it too. But you see the difference between the two motives. There is one has a higher calling and is more focused on your attitude and on your spirit. And so the I think the more work that we get done on our spirits here, uh, that's going to carry over into uh, our afterlife. So and anything that you do working on your spirit or on a, another human being for their good, uh, you know, humans. Yes, our our bodies are are not eternal. But our spirits are, and that is going to carry over into the next world. Right. Well, what he's saying is even farther than that. Right. The the new earth that he's going to create. And in some ways, the work, like he even goes as far as to say, if you're doing art that's bringing glory to God, in some way that's going to, to carry over into the new world. God's going to hang up our pictures around the, the new world? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. He like he doesn't explain how he thinks that will work. And he does say that it, it's a mystery. But uh I don't know. It and I I don't know how that would work either. But it resonated it with me. It resonated with me that it's more than just uh, you know, you're making yourself a better person or right. you're getting closer to God, but then all the things we do on earth in effect are are going to be burned away and we're just going to go float in heaven on clouds <laughs> and play harps. <laughs> uh, so He doesn't really believe that that's what heaven is like. Me? Yeah, that we just float in heaven on clouds playing right. harps. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, it resonates with me that... Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, I see. That this is the real world, that uh, the things we do here do matter, yeah. and uh, that we have... I don't know that the physical part of it would matter, but the spirit behind it, the attitude, for but that's as what we're I'm doing saying. that that's physical what, thing. That's what he, this author yeah, is saying. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying, and I might, maybe I disagree with him mm-hmm. on that regard. Right. But. Yeah, that's fine. But I think I... I thought that was really interesting. It wasn't something I'd really heard before. Yeah. So that's my number two, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. All right. My number two comes from Philippians chapter three, verse 13. One verse. There you go. And it says, <laughs> brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And then it goes on to say, I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So in verse 13, though, that's the one that really comes to mind so often uh, to forget those things which are behind and reach under those things which are before. So whether whatever's in your past, whether it's things that you're proud of or things that you're not, uh, just forget about those. Uh, don't glory in what you've done in the past don't get bogged down with what you've done in the past uh if it's bad you know uh forget it it's forgiven if it's if it was a good thing that's great but uh don't let that be your your one one thing that you did for god 
uh, reach forth into those things which are before. And, and the best is yet to come. Uh, God's got better and better things planned for us. And so that's my number two, Philippians 3.13. Okay. My number one, and again, not necessarily my favorite, but closest to the end of the Bible, of the ten that I picked. And that is James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and that's, upbraideth not, yeah. and it shall be given him. That's a good one. Yeah. So people a lot of times think, I don't know what to do. I, I'm not very smart, or I don't know that I can make the best decision. And uh, God says, if you don't have wisdom, then ask God for it. So that means... He'll give you liberally. Yep. Yeah. So that means if you don't have wisdom, you didn't ask God for it, because he said he would give it to you. Yeah. If you asked him, so... Again, another challenge, and... Uh, Yours you know, are all something... challenges to be better, and mine are all reminders that... I've noticed God that. loves such a wretched worm as I. I've noticed that. <laughs> so, well, that's fine. I mean, I, I like the verses that you've picked out, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, James 1.5, ask God for wisdom. That's my number one. All right, my number one is the one that most often comes to mind. And uh, I first discovered these verses in college. And one year uh, when I was the prayer leader in our uh, set of suites uh, in the dorm room, I decided every night that we had prayer group, I would have our room say these three verses. And uh, it really, it really was good for me that year and it really made a difference and it's job 22 chapter chapter 22 verses 21 through 23 acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace thereby good shall come unto thee receive i pray thee the law from his mouth and lay up his words in thine heart if thou return to the almighty thou shalt be built up thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles so, uh, I mean, when I'm afraid to return to God after I stray, it's because I'm, I've forgotten just how loving and forgiving He is. And so, uh, I need to receive the law from His mouth. I need to lay up His words in my heart. And I need, I basically need to reacquaint myself with Him in order to start getting back into fellowship with Him. Uh, I need to get to know Him again return to him so that I can put away iniquity f far from me and also be built up so I won't be as likely to slide into iniquity again. So just a, a good all-around sermon in those three verses and uh, applicable at any time of life, any time of day for, for me. That is my number one, Job 22, 21-23. All right. Well, I had a bunch of others that I could put on there, but I won't won't march all through those yeah. for any honorable mentions. Was there? I mean, you already mentioned far more than ten. <laughs> but did you have any quick ones you wanted? No, to, that was it. To add to that, okay. Very good, very good. Well, hopefully that was uh, a glimpse into our lives. Yeah, and uh, 
maybe some verses you weren't as familiar with. Maybe encouraging to you guys. That we could share. So let us know, or you can also let us know what your favorite verses are, the ones that um, maybe we don't already have memorized, maybe some hidden gems, or even some, some really common popular ones you can tell us which of those you really like as well. Yeah, and why you like them. So email us, tto at coser.us.com, <laughs> .com, tto at coser.us, no.com. And you can also go to our website, tto.coaster.us slash 47, and leave some comments. While you're doing that, you can also go ahead and ask us some questions. We're quickly coming up to our episode 50, where we're going to answer 10 questions from the listeners. So looking forward to that episode. Keep the questions coming. And I think... That should close the book on this episode. Next time we'll be doing our top 10 characteristics of fictional universes. Huh. So that one's one's going to be fun. You'll find out what exactly that means next time. So until then, I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And you've been listening to 10 to 1. Okay, so usually for our stingers, we have the opposite. You know, the first, the top ten was our favorite of something, and then the stinger is our least favorite of that subject. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. not going to do that for this one. We don't have a least favorite Bible verse. I do. But I don't. But I was thinking we could each mention a verse that we think is commonly misinterpreted. Okay, why don't you start? All right, my my verse is Matthew 5.45, and it's the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus is saying, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Verse 45, That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And so often I have heard that last portion of the verse. He's, God sends rain on the just and on the unjust to mean that, well, bad things happen to good people and to bad people. Uh, so, you know, God's, and it's, I don't really care for that interpretation. It sounds like God's just this impartial, I don't really care what happens to, to my people. Let's just lump them in with the, the rest of the ungodly, and if calamities happen to them, then, uh, well, I send rain on the just and on the unjust. No, I think if you look in context and also in historical, what did rain mean to these people? Rain was life. You know, without rain, there was drought, there was famine. Uh, Rain was a good thing. And so all throughout the Bible, I haven't seen, I, I can't think of anything instance where rain is considered a bad thing. And so uh, he says he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. Well, I would say the sun is a good thing. It's an important thing. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He sends good things on bad people and good people. And so in context, it's saying we need to do good things, whether uh, 
you know, our neighbor is a wonderful person or a jerk because God does good things to the wonderful people and to the jerks. So uh, just for if any pastors out there are listening, I think this verse has been misapplied a couple times. I agree with what you're saying, but I think what people use the verse to say is still true, that bad things happen to good people and bad people as well. Yeah, I agree, but I don't think they should be using this verse to prove that. Okay, I agree with that. All right, and I would say a verse that's taken, I think is probably taken out of more out of context more often than the other is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which <laughs> strengtheneth me. And a lot of people will say, well, that means I can play in the NBA and dunk a basketball because I can do all things. Or I can, I don't know, I can go to the moon. Well, what would you say this verse means? <laughs> yeah, so in context, it's not talking about just I can do any, anything. I can that do I all these different on, physical yeah. things if I ask God to help me. It uh, Paul's talking about how he knows uh, how to live with a lot, how to live with little, and how to um, no, how to live in those different situations that God has put him in. So I can deal with any circumstance that comes my way through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Yeah, I think that's another way to put it. Okay. I can, I you know, I, I can do all things. I can be poor. I can be rich. I can... Uh, deal with hard times i can deal with good times and um you know what whatever situation god's god puts me in i can live through that situation that's good yeah i think that's more what he's saying not i can ride a skateboard through christ <laughs> which strengthens me so that's that's one that i think is taken out of context a lot 